Oh, g'day everybody. How you going? My name's Frankie Walnut. I was born when my mother gave birth to me and I've lived all my life. I've got fingers on the end of each hand and toes on the end of each foot and a couple of eyes I look at the world through, plus uh, some hair on my head and sometimes a hat on top of that. This week I want to talk about Christmas. In particular the Christmas of my eighth birthday party. I'd been saving up to get my mum a beautiful radish coloured dressing gown I'd seen on sale at Dill Pickles in Allera. We never had a lot of money when I was a kid. The year before for Christmas, Mum and Dad gave me and Shaney a baked potato to share for our present, and all we had for Christmas lunch was pickled onions. One thing we always did have though was a great big Christmas tree. My granddad was an amazing horticulturalist, and he grew the biggest, healthiest white pine trees Christmas ever saw. But Granddad's real specialty was cross-pollination. He'd graft one species of plant onto another and create these amazing hybrids. Once he created a cross between a persimmon and a mango and he called it a simo. It never took off, probably because it tasted like a pawpaw someone had been carrying around under their armpit during a heat wave. But he loved the process, you know, and if you love the process of something, any achievement it leads to is just a bonus. Just ask any compulsive masturbator. The most interesting of my granddad's experiments happened that year of my eighth birthday, around Christmas. He started getting into carnivorous plants. It started with a couple of Venus flytraps mum brought back from the police citizens youth club markets in Toowoomba one weekend. He first experimented by making a fusion between the Venus flytrap and the choco. The problem is that those plants starve because not even flies like chocos. The real breakthrough came when he started grafting the fly traps with the noxious weed Lantana. If fertile soil was your email account, then Lantana is spam. It spreads and it's impossible to control. It'll ask you for a donation to a charity you've never heard of and then try to sell you Viagra. Grandad's Venus Lantana started off in one corner of the property. A curiosity really, to the casual observer it just looked like a mess of overgrown twigs and weeds. But if you sat on the steep banks of the oval beside the plant as the sun went down, some weird things would happen. An unlucky currawong or crow might try and find a perch on top of one of the plants. There'd be this rustling sound and then a loud pop and the bird would be gone. Me and my little brother Shaney would play chicken seeing which of us could get the closest to the dark undergrowth before shrieking in terror and piss bolting away from it. Our cats, Brocky and Dick Johnson, were both very curious and they'd been hanging around with me and Shaney and then one after the other wandered too far into Grandad's plant. There were two big pops and we never saw them again. It was a stinking hot summer that year and the plant thrived. Within a few weeks it had covered nearly the entire area that used to be the Clintonvale State School Oval. And it started to get even more scary. During the middle of the night sometimes we'd get woken up by a loud pop as a stray dog or a fox got lost and wandered into the plant. Once, Clary Ryan left his gate open and three of his pole Herefords disappeared. We never said anything, but I can still remember the blood-curdling moans of those cows before they popped off to heaven. My dad was going through a bit of a rough patch at this time. He was feeling bad, but there were no grunge songs back then, so he didn't even know he had low self-esteem. He just listened to the song Taken Care of Business 
and it just made him feel worse because ever since he lost his job, he knew he wasn't really taking care of business. He was worried because he was worried that he wouldn't even have enough money to pay for potatoes this Christmas, let alone pickled onions. See, what had happened is he'd fallen in with the wrong crowd, namely this bloke called Daryl Summers. Not Daryl Summers, the TV presenter. Uh, This Daryl Summers was completely different. He didn't have a puppet ostrich sidekick or a nice smile like TV Daryl Summers. Although he did wear loud t-shirts that looked like they were designed by Baz Luhrmann on acid. Daryl told my dad that he was going to go into TV manufacture and that he'd invented a way to make really cheap pocket-sized TVs. He said he'd already designed the TV model, but he just needed some extra money to make the prototype. He said it was a good chance for my dad to get in on the ground floor, become an investor. All he needed was $15.90. Dad said, count me in, and sold my push bike. That bike was called the Deadly Treadly. I loved that pushy, but Dad said, don't worry, Frankie. When the investment pays off, I'll buy you 10 Deadly Treadleys. Poor Dad. I didn't have the heart to tell him there could only ever be one Deadly Treadley. $15.90 was a lot of money back then. You could buy a carton of beer for that. And it was strange because the day after Dad paid him, Daryl Summers turned up at our place with a carton of beer. He said he was celebrating because he'd just got a call from the electronics giant Rank Arena and they were interested in mass producing the TV. Dad said, that's great news, and reached for one of Daryl's beers. But Daryl pushed his hand away and said, not too quick, mate. We need some more funds to bridge the gap. $38 should do it. Now, $15.90 was a lot then. $38 was actually even more. It still is. You could carpet your whole shed for $38 in the 80s. The development phase is always the hardest, said Daryl Summers. It'll be clear sailing after this, Ronnie. The $38 should set us up nicely. So Dad got on his motorised go-kart and rode the 20 kilometres into Warwick with Mum's bank book. He took out the whole balance of $43 she'd saved up for a trip to Paris one day. He had $38 for Daryl Summers and $5 for the petrol to get back home again. After that investment, Dad didn't hear from Daryl again for three weeks. Finally, after he got tired of waiting, we got on the go-kart and went up to Daryl's house. He was out the back in his shed. Take your shoes off, he said. I've just had new carpet laid in here. Dad said, I'm really sorry to bother you while you're working, Daryl, but what's happening with the prototype? Daryl said, I'm glad you asked, mate. Very, very glad. He walked over to his workbench and pulled away a tea towel to reveal a shoebox with a picture of the cast of mash glued to the side of it. Ta-da, he said. It looked like Daryl had cut the mash picture out of a magazine. Well, this is pretty simple, but it's basically how it'll work, Ronnie. It just needs a few more components. Actually, I'm going to need $87 to get it to where the picture moves. Dad said, I don't have $87. Daryl Summers scratched his chin. Hmm, how much do you have then? 67 cents, said Dad. Well, that's better than nothing. He stuck his hand out. Dad counted the money out for him. As we walked back to the go-kart, I said, Dad... Was that TV just a mash picture glued onto a shoebox? Dad was silent. When we got home, he climbed up a tree in the backyard and stayed there till long after it was dark. About a week later, 
Dad and I were chipping burrs in front of the house when Daryl Summers drove up in his shiny Holden Premier. He was eating an ice cream. He walked over and said, Hi Walnuts, have I got some big news for you guys. Rank Arena and Kent have had a huge bidding war over the rights to manufacture our TV. And how's this? They want to give us an $800,000 advance as a sign of goodwill. Being a 25% shareholder, Ronnie, that means first thing tomorrow morning, I'm going to be cutting you a check for $200,000. Really, said Dad? Really. I'm just going to need $25 to cover the solicitor's fees before we sign the contract. My dad sighed. It's to protect us, Ronnie, said Daryl. These multinationals are bloody sharks. Dad put his hand on my shoulder. Frankie, go and get Miss Piggy Bank. Miss Piggy Bank was the name of my money box. It was in the shape of Miss Piggy. But Dad, I said, Frankie, do as I say. But Frankie, I went into the house, climbed up on the storage shelves in my room and got Miss Piggy Bank. And I brought her outside. Daryl Summers was beaming. We're going to be on easy street from here on in, boys, he said. He took the last bite of his ice cream and reached out to take the money box from me. But before his hand reached it, Dad grabbed Miss Piggy and threw her into Grandad's Venus Lantana. Daryl Summers was astonished. Ronnie, what did you do that for? But Dad said nothing. He turned around and was starting to climb a big pepperina tree. Daryl looked at me. I shrugged and went over to a smaller tree nearby and started climbing that one. Daryl Summers stood there for a good couple of minutes. Dad and I sat up in our trees watching him. You walnuts, he said, mad as bloody hatters. He walked over to the edge of the Venus Lantana and peered in. I think I see it, he called out to us. We just sat up in the branches and watched him. After a moment, Daryl Summers rolled up his sleeves and then crouched down on all fours and crawled into the undergrowth. There was a rustle, a yelp, and then a loud pop. I looked across at Dad in his tree. He looked really sad. I said, I was trying to tell you before, Dad, Miss Piggy had no money in her. Yeah, I know, he said. I knew that. I'm sorry about the deadly treadly, Frankie. That year we had the biggest Christmas lunch ever and then went for a massive drive in Daryl Summers' old car. So, uh, yeah, that's my Christmas story. Well, everybody, uh, I just want to take a brief moment to say uh, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It really does mean a lot to me and I think it's safe to say I love you. Have a great Christmas. Jazz chord. Yeah.